welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Welcome back to the Proper Mental Podcast. This week is episode 32 and my guest is Mr. Ed Cunningham. So Ed is a bookworm and a podcaster and he's got his own very good podcast, which is called A Need to Read, um, where he kind of reviews books and chats to people about all different sorts of things. And it's really, really good. I kind of feel like sometimes in the podcast world and on social media particularly that reading is treated in this really like pretentious way, you know, as if it's this kind of really intellectual activity that not everyone could do. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, Books are really important, you know, where we can learn stuff um, about ourselves and learn things to make our life better. But we can also use them as a place to escape to, you know, it's almost a almost a type of mindfulness for me getting lost in a good fiction book. You know, it can really take me out of myself for a little bit and um, give me a rest from what's going on in my head. And um, Ed is really good at reviewing books, basically. His podcast is great. He cuts through all the nonsense. It's very much telling you what's good about the books, what's not good about them, whether you should read them. And um, yeah, it's really he's got a really interesting take on the books he reviews, but the whole idea around reading he's really kind of packaging in it slightly different to everything that's out there he makes it really really accessible and i think he's probably responsible for turning a lot of people onto books that probably would have described themselves as as non-readers um he's also very very open about mental health about his own struggles with depression and anxiety and he's happy to talk about these sort of these bigger conversations um and he really kind of used reading to change his life I suppose you know it was going through a a bad patch led him to books in the first place and he kind of discovered this world and he learned loads of stuff and he implemented it and he's really just living a completely different life now to the life that he was living a couple of years ago and I think he would he would credit that all down to you know to reading um so it just made sense to have a chat I'm a massive book fan I'm a big fan of his podcast so we get together and we talk about books and we talk about mental health um Ed also does loads of stuff as part of his day-to-day life stuff like uh, meditation and journaling and um all these sorts of things that are commonly recommended for good mental well-being and we talk about a lot of those things we talk about his own experiences. We talk about reading in general. We talk about what we can get from books. And um, yeah, it's just really, really cool. I hit Ed up for some recommendations. So there's some titles in there that he throws out. Um, I think everything that he recommended on there, I've gone and bought. I've got a big pile of them next to my bed and I've been working my way through. We do talk about Johan Hari's Lost Connections, which I've posted about recently because that is an absolute mind blower so um yeah i you know that was really cool to get that recommendation and for me to get so much from it so yeah thanks ed for that basically um he's a great guy he's really funny his podcast's really good but he does have quite a shit internet connection so um we had to swap computers sort of 10 minutes in so the first bit of the podcast might sound a little choppy because i've had to kind of make it fit but once we get organized it carries on and it's a really good conversation um it's a lot of fun we laugh a lot on this and um yeah it's very laid back and yeah it's just great and i hope you like it give ed's podcast a listen it's called a need to read and you can 
um, connect with him on social media at a need to read and um, his website is www.anitareed.co.uk same for me you can grab me on social media at problemental podcast instagram is probably your best bet um, if you want to have a look at my website and email me through there it is www.problementalpodcast nearly forgot then problementalpodcast.com and like every week i'm gonna ask you to leave me a few kind words and five star review because that would be very very much appreciated um, yeah, that's it. Proper Mental, episode 32 with Ed Cunningham from the Anita Reed podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Cool, let's do it. So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest this week is Ed Cunningham. How are you, mate? Yeah, mate, I'm really well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, no worries. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Um, there's a lot I want to talk to you about, Ed. You're a really, really interesting dude. And um, I've been really looking forward to this one. And I was wondering if we could start. What I'd like to do is just rewind a little bit. If we could go back pre-reading, pre-podcast, pre-all that sort of stuff, and just chat a little bit about about you then and where we head yeah. where your head was at and what was going on with you then because it kind of seems to me that the last few years you've been on a bit of I know you hate the word journey but you've been on a bit of oh, a I journey, love it, mate, right? I love journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so if we can go back before before all this stuff mate um yeah what what was going on with you mate where were you at what was going on um so it, it depends on the specifics of it but before I started reading before I started like doing the podcast and any of any of the stuff that I do now that's obviously really good for you I just worked in sales worked selling health insurance did that for like three years um and just got super super depressed with it and that is like, like most good journeys they just start with a bit of anxiety and depression right yeah that's it yeah with a need they start with a need for a journey yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned um, a depression there. Was that something that kind of crept up on you, on you, Ed? Was that something that, how did that manifest for you, mate? I think, I think it was something that I just ignored for a while. I think I, I just did that classic thing of numbing it with going out all the time, drinking alcohol, just pretending to be someone that I wasn't. Kind of got to the point where I just completely lost who I was in pursuit of like fitting in. Um, for, for want of a better word and like it did it creep up on me I think I think I ignored the like sadness and then I started getting like panic attacks and I was like oh this isn't good this is like a physical thing now I can't just try and like compartmentalize that yeah yeah it's a tricky one isn't it it's um I suppose like modern I always think that modern life is really good at like creating these things and then it's also really good at distracting us from them as well. So we kind of end up like trapped in this space where we know something's not right. We don't really know what that is. And then we don't know what's going on or what to do about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We just love to ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very easily done. And there's all these outlets that allow for that. Right. You know, booze fitting in. I mean, that's a full time job in itself. You know, you mentioned fitting in. Yeah, mate, for sure. And just like just this kind of persona and I've dug so deep to try and decide like when I created this persona for myself and it's actually something I'm going back to therapy tonight 
because I've done so much thinking about what stage in my childhood or teen years I did that I was gonna just not be the person who I actually was in pursuit of that like you say sort of fitting in or being cool or what you you naming the word that's what I was probably trying to be um I've done loads of digging recently to just try and find out where it is now I'm like right well I need a therapist because this person definitely sought me sought me out in in finding this yeah and there's always like so much layers to that stuff isn't it you kind of scratch the surface a little bit and go oh, I kind of think of I understand this and then you'll have some other way of looking at it or another realization and you think oh crap I've got to go a bit bit deeper now and, and figure this all out <laughs> yeah but, um yeah you you mentioned therapy a lot is yeah. that are you a, a big, yeah, big fan sure. of therapy Ed yeah I mean I'm not a fan of it like <laughs> five minutes before I go I hate it five minutes before I go I'm definitely a fan of it after I've been and I try and encourage as many people as possible to go and whether that's people that are around me who I like and love and I'm just trying to lead by example and drop the odd hint in that they need to also get a therapy or if it's on the internet if it's faceless people on the internet I'll just tell them outright that they need to go because I just I genuinely believe everyone should go at some stage in their life whether they are well or unwell whatever the sort of general mood state is in your life, I just think therapy is such a helpful tool in terms of like understanding yourself. And obviously the more you understand yourself, the better you can actually put yourself out there. And I think that is what life is about is being able to like express yourself freely as the person that you are. Unless of course that person is like a total dickhead. <laughs> and then it's kind of like, right, let's, let's work on, on not being a nasty bastard. <laughs> yeah yeah those people probably yeah yeah need even more therapy than the rest of us right yeah it's um i kind of think it's something when i first started going i've been (laughs) i've been in uh therapy for about about two years and when i first started going it was very reactive so i would go whenever i had a bad patch that was my way of of sorting it and that's not the best way to use it at all you know um but now i'd say like good times bad times i'll go forever i like you know same as you sometimes i love it sometimes i really don't love it sometimes i have to come home and have a nap but you know i just the processes it becomes fascinating you know to like getting into getting into your own head yeah aren't we like wild human beings? Like I wrote an email about this this morning about how like I've, I've got therapy this evening and I know that come like it's at 5.30, I know come three o'clock, I'm going to do all I can in my head to like just try and convince myself that I don't need to go and that I don't need therapy and that I've come a really long way and well done me. Like I know that that's going to come up. And I just think it is so fascinating that we do all of this stuff to essentially hold ourselves back as humans because we take like, the easy option, but obviously the easy option, paradoxically, isn't the easy option because you'd swap an easy today for a harder tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And that's the same with like, it's the same with like the gym or exercise or vegetables or anything that's inherently good for us. Yeah, we can kind of avoid and stay away from stuff, that protective mechanism. Yeah, it's crazy, really. I always think with therapy, if, I've, if I know I've got one coming, then I almost like I have to stop myself prepping for it. So I'll be in the shower and I'll start planning this script as if I'm just going to sit there and like make it all work exactly. Like I try and have control over it by planning it out, which kind of defeats the whole point, right? Yeah, a hundred. You're sitting on the toilet, like practicing your monologue. Like, I am a mentally healthy and stable person. I'm not <laughs> quite sure what I'm doing here. Do you do refunds? 
yeah, yeah, that's it. So what was it, mate? What led you to um, to reading? How did this all start to uh, to come together? I was reading sales books, and sales books are a bit a bit brutal, I think, and and they they are kind of like. I wouldn't go as far as narcissistic, but they're very selfish because obviously you want to get the sale, everything sales, everything in your life is sales. Um, and I got a bit fed up of those because like my sales were improving and I was like, right, well, how can I just improve my life? Because there's definitely going to be books out there for that. And then I found the self-help industry and read books like The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck and um, David Goggins' book, which I think is a bit intense um, anyway, like as, as much as it serves a purpose we can't all be David Goggins um, and things like why we sleep as well. Just like just books about little things that can improve your life. And I just got obsessed with it. And then I ended up actually picking up my first like book to read for a long time in like eat that frog. I think it was, but the, the first like thick book that I read was uh, the righteous mind by Jonathan Haidt. It's all about why like good people are divided by politics and religion. And it was tough to read because the words are small. There's loads of like deep psychological concepts in there. And then I was just so hooked. Started reading some like Malcolm Gladwell stuff. He's like a modern day philosopher, writes really, really well, intertwines everything in his stories. So that this book, David and Goliath by him is brilliant. I recommend everyone should read that. And yeah, I just, I just kind of got hooked by it. I was like, there's just so much information out there. And I just started to acknowledge like how little I knew. And I think quite naturally as like a early 20s guy, like I just thought I knew it all when in reality, I knew absolutely nothing. Um, and I still don't think I know anything. And I've read like, well, I think over 150 books now in the last couple of years. But every book I read, I'm like, oh my God, there is so much left to learn. Yeah, that can be like, sometimes that's quite exciting because you look at all this other knowledge and then other times it can be like really intimidating. Like sometimes when I look at my my want list on Amazon, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, like there's just too much. It's almost like I always feel a bit down that I'm never going to read all the books that I want to read. Like I'm going to run Mate, out of time, right? If, if you need a hack to feel better about that, just buy them and then you'll never read them. And then they're out your want list, and then and then there's no stress. <laughs> yeah, job. Because there's job always done. another book you want. If you buy the books you want, there'll always always be something that pops up before it. Like I spent about five hundred and fifty quid the other day on all the books that I've read, but have like given away to people, and I just cleared my like wish list on Amazon, and now they're all in here, and I'm like. I want to reread some books that I've already read. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's the really cool thing about reading. There's some books that I've, I always want to have on my shelf forever and I might never read it again, but just knowing it's there is feels like quite important to me. And then there's other books that you just want to yeah. give away. And some of the best books I've read are ones that have like landed mm. in my lap that um, it's almost like, it's always meant to be. There's this like weird, like magical mm. thing about reading. I think books are supposed to be out there and circulating and dropping into people's laps, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. They all like, they just come to you at the right time. And I am such an advocate. And I, and I don't know if you'd ask me about this at some point later in the podcast, but just about putting a book down, if it's not sitting with you, like, especially with like a novel if, if you're reading a novel and it just doesn't seem to be hitting the spot just put it down if you're reading one of those like self-help books and it doesn't seem to be doing it for you if you're a third of the way in you're still not finding anything interesting just put it down 
like we're not at school anymore. No one's going to mark you on whether you finished the book or not. And some books, like other people don't like this, but you can get, you can like gauge the concept within the first 40 pages and you don't need to read how the author dresses it up in like 12 different stories. You, if you, if you get the picture, you get the picture time to move on. Yeah, no, I think that's that's so true, it, particularly with the self-help stuff. Quite often you kind of get to the second half and you think like, oh, no, this is the first half, but reworded, right? It has that repetitive, yeah. Yeah. repetitive thing to it, yeah. It's like so, when you copy someone's work in school and you just like, <laughs> you just change pretty much the name on the top and swap around a couple of ands and theirs and stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. I suppose if like you've written like, I don't know, 10 really good blogs and you think, oh, if only I had like 20 blogs, I could be a book. And then you could just start yeah. just reworded them. Yeah. Yeah, literally. So how did you start, so you're reading these books and that's like your mind's just exploding. Did you start like actively actioning what you were reading? Um, yes, I would say so. I think, obviously there is only so much action you can apply when you read loads, loads of books. Like I, I could, it would be impossible for me to apply everything I ever read because <laughs> I'd be walking around like a robot who was like really kind and lovely to people and gave stuff to everyone, but also tried to take stuff from everyone. Whilst also tried to like be a therapist for everyone. Like there'll be too much, too much to implement. So you have to be quite selective. Um, but things like in, in subtle art, I'm not giving a fuck. That was the first book that I actioned and that was about, like being able to say no. And then I read Essentialism by Greg McEwen and that really like affirmed that I needed to start saying no to things and, and being comfortable saying no, not feel like I had to offer anyone a reason for my no. Um, and I think actually learning to say no is probably one of the most powerful things that I've like learned or practiced over the last couple of years. That and vulnerability have just been massive for me. Yeah, sure. And as these sort of ideas start to take hold, as you start trying these stuff out, did you start to notice that had a positive effect on, you know, on your depression and on your mental state and stuff like that? A hundred percent. I think, I think the, the best thing is it gave me an understanding of like why I was sad. It, it pushed me to be more vulnerable work with other people. Like I've read a load of Brene Brown's work and that is all about vulnerability and, and the power of that. And, early books I read like emotional agility and, and any of this stoicism stuff that's just like you it doesn't really matter what happens to you it's about how you respond to it which is really easy to remember but very hard to implement on a consistent basis um because it's so lovely to be like oh well I don't control this but like when something really annoying happens like I'm like anyone can be a philosopher but if they stub their toe it's out the window <laughs> yeah yeah that's bang on isn't it yeah and you know sometimes it's just like you might read a whole book and one line resonates and you go that's all i mm. needed from this book you know i enjoyed all of it but that's all that's what i have to act on so I kind of that i think that's why i was asking about putting these things in place because you can read all the books in the world right but if you don't do anything with what you're reading then you might as well not read mm. yeah but but there, there is a flip side to that as well because you can read a book that will not work for you. The stuff in there that you're meant to apply, it won't work for you. But there are so many different nuances in like normal people's personalities. It might apply to your sister or it might apply to your mate. And when they're going through that trouble, you'd be like, oh shit, you know what? I read this seven months ago. It did nothing for me, but it might do something for you. Here's what it is. And, and I, I, I try often to think about how it's a, a responsibility of mine to the people around me to like keep reading if you know what i mean 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love that. I love that. So we can use use these things that we learn to help look after other people, you know, and have that compassion for the people around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's wicked, man. And I, again, I suppose, and it's only just popped into my head now, but we don't stay the same either, right? So you buy a book, you read it and go, well, it's all right, and pop it on your shelf. You might no. go back to that book in like five years or something and like have your mind blown, right? Yeah, 100%. Because like if you read a book about depression whilst you're super happy, you're just like, oh, I kind of understand it a little bit better. But if you read a book about depression when you're really sad, like, oh my god this slap so hard i feel so seen like thank god i've picked up this book <laughs> yeah yeah no that's really true really really true i can't i love the idea of that you can like pick up a book for one reason and then it becomes applicable for other reasons or for other people's reasons or there's something really nice about that fluidity and we don't think about yeah. that when it comes of reading books you know like reading's quite for people who don't read, it's almost like misunderstood. So it feels like this really like formal thing where you sit with a book and you read this information and, you know, like it's, um, but yeah, that idea of that fluidity within that information is really nice. Something really nice about yeah. that. Yeah. I kind of, um, I wanted to chat to you actually about these, some of the things you've mentioned already that you've, um, that you've learned from reading because you have very, very clear, you mentioned you like your values, you mentioned vulnerability. Um, you, you seem to have a real structure in place Ed, that helps you navigate life in a very positive way um mm -hmm. and yeah stuff like stuff like yeah strong boundaries and saying no and stuff like that and did all of this come from reading all of these um did you start to put it together i think it it came from acceptance of kind of who i was like that stuff about saying no that was difficult to begin with and it remains difficult there are times when I have to say no and it, and it feels quite isolating, but I know that it's a correct decision for me. Um, and I've spoken to quite a few people about this recently, about like when you take this like a journey of self-help, it can feel really isolating sometimes because there are so many people out there, people that you love who just don't give a fuck about themselves. And, and it's not through fault of their own. I think everyone naturally falls into that at some point after they've left school is that they just stop caring or maybe it's in their early teens. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's all come from books. Every, like everything I say, everything I think somewhere has come from the content that I've consumed over the last couple of years and through sort of, of my experience. Um, but when it came to values, that was just like trial and error. And I think one of the main things you can like learn from books, is like I said earlier, like no one actually knows anything. You just have to kind of try it out for yourself and, and see what works. And I've started and stopped loads of things since like starting reading. Um, but it's, it's funny that I have this like portrayal of positivity. I must do on the internet. It's, it's odd. To, it's odd to hear that because obviously I live with my brain like all day and I'm like, but I hate the world. I think everyone's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that's, um, yeah, that's interesting. I but I suppose like, yes, yeah, social media or whatever is just a, a snapshot. You know, your podcast is just a, a snapshot and we tend to think of humans in like this almost two dimensional, right? So what you see is what you get, but that's never, yeah. never the case. No. Yeah. So uh, how did stuff like, um, you talk about meditation a lot and you've got very impressive headspace streak um how did that start to uh, to enter your life mate i um i meditated on and off for well i've meditated on and off now for like two and a half years um because someone that i used to work with i'd spoken to him a little bit about the whole like anxiety thing and he was like oh, you should try sam harris's app waking up because he was like a massive sam harris fan 
And I was like, yeah, all right, then I'll give it a go, whatever. Like, I'll see if it works. So I did a 50-day course because I, I never commit to anything. Throughout my childhood, I quit so many things. And literally up until I was like 23, I just thought I was a massive failure because I quit things. So I was like, right, 50 days. It's not hard. I will do this. Got to like day 27, missed a few days, then picked it back up. And I was like, you know what? Meditating is unreal. And then I dropped it for a while, completely dropped it, didn't bother with it again. And then when it got to the stage where I was like, I needed to be signed off work, obviously I had to go to my GP. My GP was like, oh, just go on a headspace. And I was like, yeah, I've heard of that before. I went in a headspace and then I meditated like maybe five, six times a week for about six months. Then I, I came back from Australia last year in March when, when coronavirus like hit. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it every day and just see how long I can do it for. And now I'm on like 457 days in a row and short of like a serious emergency. Like I'm, I'm never breaking that, that streak. Yeah, and, sure. and even if it's like a, just even if headspace goes away, like I want to know in my head that I've done it every day. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And are the, the benefits that you get from that, are they obvious or is those, is it those subtle changes to your life? Like, could you say what it's done for you over the last 400 odd days? Yeah. I mean, there's the obvious benefits that I get to brag about having done something for 400 and something days and, and, and feel smug about that. Um, but beyond that, yeah, I think just a general, sense that I'm like karma and like I'm still I'm a quite a naturally anxious person and maybe that's a limiting belief who knows but my anxiety is so much lower when I meditate if I don't meditate I notice a difference more than if I do because when I do meditate like that's the norm for me now right but if if I don't meditate until like the afternoon or something my brain is off it's so busy I like every fucking neuron on my brain is firing a question at me that I just can't answer and there must, there's so many people that must feel like that. Like, I know I'm not the only person in the world with an active brain, right? Um, so starting to meditate will just add a new sort of layer of calm over all of your shit. Like, it's not going to sort it all out until you've done maybe 10,000 hours and, and you've reached a point where someone could punch you in the face and you go, oh, brother, that hurt. Have a good day. Like, getting to that point is going to be really difficult but you do get to kind of like simmer it down a little bit and it does kind of like dampen the radio doom and gloom that just goes off on your head um, at all times. Yeah, sure. We kind of take for, for granted as humans that our heads are supposed to be busy, right? So we kind of go, yeah. it's just part, part of being a human. So if that's the case that we have to actively seek out ways to quiet this stuff down because it ain't just going to stop because that's modern life. That's an environmental thing. That's like, we can't just yeah. wait for it to, to die down. Right. So yeah, yeah. carving out that, that peace and peace and quiet and um, something similar with um, journaling, mate, you talk about journaling a lot as well. Is that, um, is that a daily practice for you as well, Ed? Yeah, it is now. Like I've, I've so the meditation was a thing that I did solidly daily for however long I've just said I'm doing like 400 and something days. Journaling has been a little bit more intermittent, and that's something that I've noticed drops off. But I've been doing that again consistently for the last three months because I've just realised like the stuff that I do every day completely dictates who I'm going to be like next year or tomorrow or within three or four weeks. Just trying to add as many things in as possible, but journaling is such an important practice and once you go beyond the oh i'm grateful that the sky's blue and i'm grateful that 
the pollen gives me hay fever. Like once you span beyond all this stuff that is external and you start looking internal with journaling, like it can really make you feel good. And it can be a practice that can be really, really helpful for like your self-esteem. So like if you were to ask yourself like, right, what went well yesterday? It's like the sky being blue isn't something that has gone well that you have taken control of. Something that has gone well is like yesterday I read 150 pages of book. Like that went well. That was that was a good thing. I had a good podcast. That went well. I was in control of that. And the more things you like kind of understand that you're in control of doing and you get them done and they then go well, you feel better about yourself. I think journaling is huge for like self-esteem because that was something that I struggled with for a long time. Yeah, it's great to... Um we will focus on the, the negative, right? You have one slightly bad experience and it can ruin your day. Whereas when something mm. good happens, we tend to go like, oh, that was good. And then just like crack on and move on to the, to the next thing to actually spend that yeah. time to, um, yeah, to enjoy that feeling of, um, of doing something, doing a good job at something, no matter how small. That's really important yeah. to self-esteem, right? Yeah, really, really yeah, important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So as all these things come together, mate, did you then start to notice that your your mental well-being improving, you know, that you were having less and less, um, you know, dark days or anything like that? How has that helped you bring in, in this all together? I think so. something like journaling, for me, that's processing. For meditation, that's like the slowdown of something. Because like, I'm going to try and come up with a metaphor here for this because i haven't got one like just just readily available but let's say like now nah, fuck it let's just keep it human right so <laughs> stuff goes on in your on your life you get given this snapshot of what's what's there you think about it for two seconds and you move on and then it'll come back every 10 seconds and you need to think about it if you stop and you write it down and you process it and you start labeling how you feel this is how i feel this is what has happened this is how I'd like to feel. I wonder how I would get there. Maybe I should try this. And you just go and you follow every single thought whilst you're journaling. It doesn't matter if it's legible. It doesn't matter if it's readable. It's your personal like diary, right? Like I'm pretty sure like no one reads anyone's diaries. It's like an unwritten rule. Like no one, no one reads your diary. You don't need to worry about what you write in there. But for me, it's about like processing emotions, that stuff. And meditation for me is about setting the tone for the day because i obviously as a human want to be a bit calmer i want to be a bit slower i appreciate things are slow but i struggle with it so much especially with how much i want to do with my life i've really struggled to slow down at the moment and that's another reason why like i'm, I'm going to therapy because i'm like i've been talking about a slow life for years and it's just creeped up on me that I now want to be a poet. I want to be a screenwriter. I want to write books. I want to be a podcast. I want to do all of these different things because I've somehow acknowledged my like potential as a human being, which everyone has, right? You can, not to be cliche, but you can pretty much do whatever you want to do skill-wise because you can learn it. And I know that you can learn it because you're a human. Like sometimes you just need to do something small to prove that to yourself. Like when I had coronavirus, I learned to juggle because I couldn't really do much else. And I was like, oh my God, I could never make three balls go around in circles before. And now I can. And I've just learned that skill within three days. Wonder what else I could learn. Um, so meditation helps me try and slow down because if I don't meditate, obviously I'm just going 400 miles an hour. And it's kind of the same for reading as well. As much as like you're learning and you're reading to expand your knowledge, I read to slow down. I read so I don't have to flick on my phone and go and see some wankers Instagram stories that I don't care about or like 
I haven't watched the news or had any no news notifications on my phone for so long because like I control what I'm consuming because I, I just I pick up a book, I see the title, I think I like it, I read the first 10 pages, I'm like, oh cool, that's what I do. And I and I do that to slow down. Um I feel like that's a really long-winded answer to a question that maybe didn't need to be so long-winded. Oh, that was a great point. Not at all. That was a great, that was a great answer. I kind of, um, I, yeah, reading for me, I think that's a massive underappreciated tool for that sort of stuff, for grounding you, kind of bringing you into yourself for slowing things down. You can get lost in a book and I, um, Mm. I'm never without a book. Like there's one always in my bag. You could stop me at any point of the day and I'd be able to reach into my bag and pull a book out. But when I've been through some like really, really hard times, I would physically carry it around like a little kid with a teddy Mm. and I'd have it. And every time I felt like life speeding up i'd start feeling something dark coming on i'd just be in that book and i'd read it everywhere i'd read it in the kitchen on the stairs in the it was like a comfort blanket like a small small child because for me it was like flicking a switch and bump i'm gone i'm not thinking about the world world around me and i love reading for that you know it's um yeah it's incredibly powerful in that way yeah i love that because it's it's almost as if like for you subconsciously it, it feels like home and that comes back to meditation it's like when you sit with yourself it's uncomfortable and it doesn't feel like home but the more you meditate the more you slowly transition into that your your place of comfort is within you and like i'm i'm waiting for that point to come but i know i'm getting a little bit closer each day and but having things that feel like home like meditating like books like like journaling is so important and people have that with like the gym and stuff as well i always seem to ignore exercise because i fucking hate it but <laughs> like it is important that people have that stuff like people think the gym is like home for them that's where they feel safe is where they're moving their body and, and testing themselves yeah definitely any sort of like self-care is just um it's so individual isn't it and it changes i like mm. to describe it i said it's too much but i like to describe it as a puzzle we've all got our own puzzle and you've got to find your pieces and put them all together and figure out what yeah. works yeah i'm gonna put you on the spot here at the moment mate and chuck this on your toes but have you got a, a recommended read for meditation or stillness or something go to because i find a lot of people put off meditation for two reasons one because they think it's like hippie nonsense or two because they try it once and go well it didn't work it's not it's not for me and um yes if someone could have a, like maybe a recommended book it might help them understand it a little bit i think for general learning how to slow down and learning how to be with yourself and understanding that you on your own sat cross-legged with your back against the wall or sat on a chair, the book of rest by Gabrielle Jane, Gabrielle Reeves and Gabrielle Brown and James Reeves. Sorry to them. They are legends. They're like a couple from Oxford and they're yoga Nidra teachers, which is like yogic sleep, which is fascinating. And it's not, specific to meditation and they're very clear that this is not meditation but what you'd get from that book is just a general understanding that slowing down is very important or a bit more of a mainstream book um sort of like popular philosophy would be stillness is the key by ryan holiday Oh, sick man weirdly enough so, someone just i just had a birthday and someone bought me that that exact book so um, oh nice yeah, yeah there we go got that to explore that's wicked yeah man so when did um when did the idea for the podcast come about, man? How did that come into existence? Mate, honestly, about a week before I started it, <laughs> I uh, I was obviously, I was reading a lot. In 2020, I set a goal of myself to read 26 books. Got to March and I was on like 22. 
I went to Bali on holiday and I was um good. I think you've just had her on, Lord, is Lord. Yeah, yeah. I was um I was mates with her and went to her house, which had Diran and James there. Diran had just started his podcast and just randomly don't know how it came into the head. I was like, maybe I should do a podcast. And I was like, oh mate, do you enjoy doing the podcast? He was like, Yeah, bro, it's sick. I was like, all right, then fuck it. That was the initial thought. I then went home from Bali because I couldn't get back into Australia because they shut the borders and for the pandemic. And I was home and I was like, well, I do not want a job. I was like, if I have to go back and work in sales, there is a strong chance that within six months I will be dead because I will not, I would, I won't know how to handle it. I'd, and I'd quit the job because I didn't know how, how to handle staying there and I need to like put a hard stop on it. I was like, if I end up back in one of those jobs again, then that's that's game over for me. I can't do it. So I just started the podcast. And if for me, maybe it was a bit of distraction. And maybe it was me just like trying something out to like follow a bit of a passion project. Um, but yeah, when I got home, I just made the decision. I just ordered a mic on Amazon, sat down, for like five hours one day screaming at a microphone like trying to work out how to use garage brand which i still don't really know how to do um and then i went back the next day and it took me like two hours but i recorded my first like 20 minute episode of me talking about like being depressed and and that was totally unusual for me because i didn't open up to people then so i just chucked out on the internet and that was the start and then from there it's just i've just been in a flow of just like record, upload, record, upload. Don't think about what you say too much, upload. <laughs> yeah, there's something really nice about that. One of my favorite ever quotes, it's not from a book, but it's from, um, do you remember Richard Ashcroft? who used to be like being a verve and stuff. And um, yeah, a quote from him I read years ago is you can't go wrong with a well-placed fuck it. And I've always loved love that quote. That. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? And I always think of that whenever I've got like on the fence about a decision. I think Dickie Ashcroft would just say "fuck it," and um, yeah, and it, it you know it led to you starting that that podcast because we do overthink things, don't we? Like, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? All that, all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, yeah, that's wicked. To start that on a whim. And I've yeah. always been impulsive, and people have always like family members, friends, always like kind of painted it as a negative thing. Um. I once got like a bank loan to get a jet ski for a month. Like I bought it for six and a half grand with a Sainsbury's bank loan and then sold it at the end for like 6,250 pounds and then just paid off a loan because I just, I could not control the fact that I just needed a fucking jet ski. And my like argument in, in favor of that is like, whenever someone's like, Oh, remember when you bought that jet ski? I'm like, yeah, but who had a better summer? I was like, I guarantee it was me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't really find a negative in that. And if I'm being honest with you, mate, I'm uh, yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, mum. I'm just writing down that fuck it quote, by the way. Yeah, it's a belt of that, isn't it? Yeah, that's been yeah. written for um a long, long, a long, long time. Shout out Richard Ashcroft if you're listening. Maybe you remember saying it. <laughs> Richard Ashcroft, what a legend. I know. I know, yeah, what a boy. So you mentioned there on the first episode of your um of the podcast, you found yourself talking about mental health and stuff like that. How did you find that speaking out about stuff and having people like me slide into your DMs and say, come and talk to me about depression? You know, how's, how does that sit with you? Now, completely different to what it was at the time. But at the time, I was just riddled with anxiety about it. Like, it was so uncomfortable. But like, I was in that stage where I knew that discomfort kind of gets you to the good, the good parts. Like, I just hopped on a plane with like 
a few grand in the bank to Australia and just winging it. Um, I, I knew like these ideas of just just going with something is 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 good, and it was just so well received. Like I wasn't, no one was. No one was nasty, basically, and that's all people ever fear, right? Is people being nasty and it not being well received. Um, people were very, very kind. A lot of people, I think, saw a bit of themselves in the story because it's it's like everyone has it, right? Everyone, everyone has mental health. Like they say it all the time, but like everyone feels like shit. Everyone hates themselves every now and then. Everyone is worried about something that has happened or something that potentially will happen. It is more common to probably struggle with mental health than it is to not nowadays unfortunately and maybe that's not even that it's unfortunate because that's just how life is and maybe it wasn't documented back in the day like who knows maybe this is just part of the human existence is that you just have to feel shit every now and then yeah i mean i always think it's like a signpost to some of the ways that we all live just don't serve us you know, so much yeah. about like causing that that mental disruption. And of course, it's different. Of course, that's not talking about trauma. That's not about all these aspects that like you can feel mental health and mental illness. But for what we're mm. talking about, um, society doesn't serve us. And we're forced yeah. to like even doing a job you hate. If you do something that you hate all the time, how are you supposed to have a healthy mind? It doesn't make yeah. any sense. So, you know, and think from my own experience, I had a job I hated. I was living and not very authentically I was um I didn't have a clue what a value was I was drinking too much and all these little things mm. societal norms and like it, it, I describe it as death by a thousand paper cuts it just chips chips yeah. chips chips away and then one day boom the wheels the wheels come off right but it's some um, it's just I'm really interested about the idea of speaking about it I, I'm very open and you know I'll, I'll tell anyone anything but we never talk about how hard it is to talk about and i think that's a really important mm. thing in the conversation it's all right saying yeah everyone needs to speak up but oh man it's not fucking easy right no definitely not and people like you probably get this all the time having, having the podcast as well it's like people will reach out to you rather than they with their best mate and it's, it's so backwards it's like you're like a you're a stranger or maybe they know you through someone and they're happier to open up to you than they would be like their best friends yeah and it's definitely. so odd and firstly, it's, it is also actually quite unfair because I don't think people realize how much like podcasters or people on the internet get in their mailbox about other people's lives. Like, yeah, it's 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 a lot sometimes. And like, even if you just get like one or two in one day, you almost forget about your own shit for a moment, which is quite unhealthy to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I was actually that was on my list to to ask you about that because I wanted to ask about people um, reaching out and you know like just sort of like just telling you stuff, you know, and how that's that's a load, right? That's a lot to carry. But also, yeah. when you're talking about making positive changes, do you get a lot of kickback? So if you go on your story and say like, you know, ah, oh, look at your values, do people go, well, it's all right for you, Ed? You know that type of stuff. Nah, no. mate, I'm really, really fortunate that I don't get like trolls or anything like that. And and the thing is, if I did, like, I just wouldn't entertain it. I'd just be like, fuck off. Like, literally, you don't have to be here. There's no no one's asking. You'd like, there's an unfollow button. I'm I'm so not bothered if if someone receives it well or if or if someone's upset by something i say because i'm literally just speaking about my experience and to the best of my knowledge i don't think i've really upset many people like i, I i'm very kind 
I I have the best interest of firstly like myself at heart in terms of like I'm trying to work out what works for me and if something works for me I'm like maybe one in five people that will also work for so I'll share it yeah. but I think I like I have maybe drawn in people who are happy to just walk away as opposed to make one of those like shitty comments yeah yeah and I suppose it's who's who's saying it right so and how you say mm. it and how you put things across is how people react but it's, yeah it's just really interesting i always like to ask because a lot of people i spoke to are in that kind of in that space where people recommend trying stuff and change and stuff like that that there is that kind of element in society of like oh well it's all right for you you know like um yeah we seem to kind of think other people can change easier than us or can do some of these things easier than, yeah. than we can and that's i think it's because i'll tell people that as well I'm, like, I'm literally no different to you and i think like it's a journey right like i haven't come at this of like i'm an expert in the field and i studied reading at harvard for 10 years and this is how easy it is to do it's like i i openly say i haven't got a fucking clue but i'm just trying yeah and i don't and think anyone can really knock that <laughs> <laughs> no not at all there's something really really lovely about it right it sounds like a nice yeah. a nice world to live in. imagine a world where everyone was just just trying their best and trying to be nice and trying to learn that sounds like a really right. cool cool place to um to hang out yeah do you have any um yeah let me go <laughs> yeah that's it do you have any um like do you have to set yourself up to read can you read anywhere do you create a come you know have you got like a, a chair in your house do you have music on how do you um how do you because you like you devour books right so you get through these you read a lot um yeah, yeah. How, how how do you do that <laughs> I didn't, well, I, I've, I've just I've just moved to London right and uh, I used to live in Dorset in a very quiet town I could have to drive half an hour to get anywhere so I could just I just mostly read around the house or in the garden um whereas now like I get a chance to read on the bus or on the train or something like that which I, I quite enjoy doing because it just means I get to read maybe like 10 pages at a time then I have to change and then I get to go for another 10 pages and it breaks it up quite nicely as opposed to sitting down for a long slog but like literally this morning I was like bent over stretching my hamstrings with my two big toes on either side of the book, just reading the book whilst like bent over stretching. Cause sometimes I get bored of just being sat still. Cause I like, I'm quite high energy in the morning times, not in the evening times. Um, so yeah, like there's, there's not really like a ritual practice apart from just like as and when I feel like it. And I don't think I read as much as people think I do. And I think people think it takes a lot more effort to read a book than it than it does. Like I just said last night, I started reading The Curious Instant of the Dead Dog in the Nighttime. You ever read it? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's wicked. I have been avoiding reading it for so long. I don't know why. I've started reading and absolutely loved it. And I've read 150 pages in like two hours and a, and a bit. Like it's so good, so easy to read. And you could pick that up for 10 minutes and do 15 pages because it's so simplistic. And I think like people, if, if people are listening and they don't read novels, just pick up that because I think it'll be a nice introduction. It's such a feel good book. Um, but yeah, there's no, no like ritual. I listen to like lo-fi beats uh, every now and then. Um, but I, I tend to just sit in, in silence. I don't really like reading around people. I'm like, I know someone wants to distract me. I'm like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. yeah man. there's a guy who um who works in the the cult around the corner from my house and he reads his book on his commute but he walks everywhere so he just like walks up the street like read you know like people have their phones on instagram and they're walking around yeah he does it with his 
with his book. And I think like, look, why isn't that normalized? Right. Everyone's like, oh, yeah. look at that guy reading his book. But you could walk next to him on your phone and no one would blink an eyelid. But there's no difference. Yeah. He's but be- he's better off, in my opinion, you know? Yeah, 100 percent uh, because he's not even there. He's in another world. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. He doesn't, he doesn't care. Yeah. Shout out the co-op guy. Um let's have some recommendations, mate. If you um, you know, mental health self-development anything like that what would you recommend if people have listened to this and thought you know what i'm gonna give this whole reading thing a bash where would we start how many do you want one or two we'll we'll do we'll see what we can uh yeah we'll see what we can (laughs) see what we can i'll tell you what i would like to ask you about one i would like you to ask you about the the johan hari book because i've heard you mention that a lot it's on my to read list um and um that that seems like that was quite a big one for you mate mate lost connections is the book that i think it is everyone's responsibility to read it is so intelligently written there's just no arguing with what, what's in there and I've, I've literally got it next to me here um the subtitle of it is why you're depressed and how to find hope and the reason i say it's everyone's responsibility to read it it's purely because everyone is going to know someone who's depressed. And if you can maybe understand, like, there are nine causes of depression, according to Johan Hari, and of course there are, there are more, but there are nine sort of main ones. If you know those nine main causes, when you recognise that in someone else, or if you recognise that those different parts of their lives are dipping due to distraction or due to laziness, you can, you can give them a prod. Because how many friends are honest with each other to say hey mate you're not acting like yourself at the moment you've dipped and stopped doing this why no one does that everyone does that surface level check-in of like how are you whereas like with with my friends that i'm going to I'm like, oh, how are you how's your meditation how's your reading how's this what have you learned recently like i want to get more of an answer than just an okay um and essentially depression is about a, a disconnect from something whether that's community values whether that's a disconnect from nature whether that's a disconnect from like a purpose or like a meaningful work there is some some part of your life that has been pulled apart and and Johan Hari just makes a strong case for like like reasonable and relatively easy ways to reconnect those parts um and because I think the sun shines out of his ass and think he's one of the most brilliant human beings ever to grace this planet, his, his other book as well, I'll recommend is Chasing the Scream. And that's about addiction. Um, and I think uh, before I read that book, I was certainly guilty of judging like drug addicts and, and stuff like that. And the book just filled me with so much more compassion and understanding and I'm just so grateful to have read it because I, I was ignorant now and, and I was a bit of a dick in the way that I thought about people who had addiction struggles. Like I, I thought it was like a something they forced upon themselves, but it's, it's, it's not the case. It's because there is a connection that has been lost, which, um, and it might come from childhood trauma or it might come from like a teenage trauma, it might come from adult trauma. It doesn't matter where it's come from, but there has been some sort of disconnect in their life. And I'm like, well, maybe I could have gone down that road. Because I had disconnects. Um, and also he makes a really strong argument for like legalizing drugs. And I smoke weed pretty much every day, so I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think it's because I, mean, I hate alcohol, by the way. I'm anti-alcohol. <laughs> I think that would um 
yeah that i mean that's a whole different conversation entirely but that yeah that would solve a hell of a lot of problems if uh yeah if yeah. these things these things weren't weren't illegal yeah have you ever listened to the um uh stop and search podcast the jason reed no. podcast that's really good and they work all in that world of trying to um legalize all different drugs and they kind of explore that from a yeah from the uh, some oh, of them are like, so cool yeah some of them are like ex-policemen and ex-undercover policemen who have turned around and said like oh the war on drugs is rubbish let's look at it this way yeah. and stuff like that yeah it's, it's really um really interesting if what, you want they're, a, what they're doing if you want an interesting fact on that one then i'll recommend another book is that in, in the 80s there was a doctor in liverpool and he started to prescribe clean heroin to a bunch of addicts which is obviously it's just morphine. And before this trial happened for the 18 months running up to it, each part, each participant had committed 6.6 crimes each on average. And after they're prescribed as clean heroin, it was 0.44 over the next like eight, 18 months. Wow. There you go. eh? Because it's not mixed with cement. They're not having to do bad things for it. Like they're not having to rob, they're not having to steal. There's, there's like a, a controlled place for them to go and do it. It's in a safe space to not have to do it like under a bridge where they're vulnerable. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy. And it, and it really does make you think. And I think obviously having a little bit more compassion is never a bad thing. Mate, compassion's my number one word. I say that I, till I'm blue in the face to have compassion to yourself mm. for other people. Um, compassion in general, that that's how we change the world in my, um, in my opinion but interestingly on the topic of compassion and you mentioned there, like checking in harder with your mates as well and i love that because we talk a lot about particularly with men how it's it's difficult to you know men find it difficult to talk and express themselves and stuff like that and i i'm not i do understand that but then part of me thinks like men are better at talking than we give them credit for if we can facilitate mm. safe space to talk you know but the idea of like yeah backing your boys up by you opening the door for them instead of them having to do the hard bit which is open the door then i love that you know i think that's um that's incredibly yeah. powerful right and the more you share the more they'll share but vulnerability is kind of contagious like you share something they feel safe enough to share something back that's that's how it works and and i always say it's about like leading by example right like you have to just be the one that's willing to say how are you blah 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 this is how i've been this is what i've kind of stopped doing which has made me feel like this which has subsequently made me feel sad and then i stopped doing this and it's all added up and then someone got may i feel the same and then you can talk about it together <laughs> yeah no that's so uh so true yeah and you know again that sounds like a really nice space to create doesn't it a really nice um mm. thing it's tough yeah. to do though obviously and mm. you have to be selective on on like on who you do it with because you have to have the capacity for it right yeah definitely yeah someone has to hold the space and open the space and and all that sort of stuff yeah it is it's, it's tricky yeah. it's tricky um fiction mate do you read fiction as well yeah like i'm, I'm starting to read a lot more fiction because i'm i'm writing a book at the moment that is fiction so i kind of have to immerse myself in that world just to see how different people write and to kind of find my voice um as a writer so i've i'm obviously reading curious incident and dead dog in the night time i've recently put down like three or four fiction books that i thought were shit um but if we're going to go for a recommendation like the best fiction book um not the best one i've ever read but the one that i think will resonate with the most people is the midnight library by matt haig okay yeah i think it's, it's just a beautiful easy to read book that will essentially make you rethink the way you look at regrets 
Mm, that's nice. I think we could all all do with a bit of that. I've not read that myself. His yeah. reasons to stay alive. That's something I recommend to people if they ask me about like mental health related reading. That's a fantastic, yeah. um, fantastic book. That's really, really good. Cool. As you yeah. mentioned, you're writing a, a book. Is that the next step, right? Is that the next uh, thing you're up to? Yeah, one of one of like I've, I've, I've got a few things that I want to do. Um, but writing the book is is something I want to I want it I want it finished by like November. Um, it's a novel. It's written in the first person perspective of like a 22 year old woman, which uh, apparently that's a brave thing to do is to write as a woman. But as as a man, um, I don't really buy into any of that. Like I'm just I'm just making something up. Right. Uh, and it's, it's fun. I get to step into the skin of someone else uh, every single day, which is cool. Um I kind of like a. I don't have a like a concise synopsis for it, so I won't. I won't be able to tell you too much about it. But um, one day someone will coach me how to keep it concise and say what it's actually about. But I think one of the things about writing is like I don't even know what it's about until it's finished. Like I'm getting to know the characters as I write. I'm not a planner. I like like I'm I'm impulsive. So every day I sit down, I have no idea what I'm about to write. I'm just going like that. Yeah, I mean that's a lovely metaphor for life, right? That's a yeah know, approach life and just see see what comes out and all that sort of stuff and I love um I think you did a post about this this recently Ed but um like creativity and you talk about missing connections um creativity is is mm. huge and as we get older um and I can only again speak for men but as uh, yeah as we get older we lose these outlets right these creative outlets yeah. and um yeah having somewhere to put that energy that creative energy um that can be really really useful as well. Yeah. yeah it's it's so it's so good for mental health and um just having time away from other people is quite important or maybe you get to collaborate with someone on something creative which is also like as, as important but we just we stop expressing ourselves as kids at some point at some point art becomes a chore and you have to make too many clay pots and you can't really figure out what kind of art you enjoy because in school they're trying to make you try all out all of it but they don't actually focus on the like things that you're good at and people like being good at stuff. But I think having a creative outlet, whatever that is, if that's drawing, if that is coloring in, if that is writing, if that is knitting, if it is making stuff out of old clothes, like it's so important because having a sense of accomplishment outside of your career and outside of your relationships, super important. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that. That feels like a really nice point to end on there, mate. And I mm. just, I suppose there's a caveat to it. So much stuff we've talked about today, there is a theme running through so many of these things we've discussed, you know, and a lot of the stuff we've talked about is stuff that's taken from us in modern life and has a massive impact on our mental health. But if we can take the time maybe to, to read about it, to learn about it and put those things into practice, we can kind of get, we can get back our creativity. We can get back to an authentic way of living we can get back our our values you know um so yeah it's been really really fascinating yeah. to chat to you mate i've really really enjoyed myself so thank you very much for your time i appreciate it mate thank you very much for having me mental podcast please like and subscribe this five star